Hi, this is Roy's Rocket Radio for Sunday the 13th of July 2014 and this is episode 47 though I'm actually recording it at 11.35 on Monday the 14th of July because I just ran out of time yesterday and there was no way I could do the show so hello again And, okay, so we'll start with the news. As you may have noticed from my blog, uh, I've been so busy and I I was also horribly ill last week, so the writing has suffered. And that's why I also missed last Sunday's podcast, so sorry about that. I think things are okay again, though very stressful And fingers crossed, uh, I am writing again. After the last novel, which was a mystery-slash-techno-thriller, a bit of national mystery, Indiana Jones, that kind of thing, I started writing a big SF novel, space opera. I got three or four chapters in, and then realised I was still in the headspace of the last novel, So I started writing a sequel to the last novel, got four chapters in, and realised what I really wanted to do was write a horror novel. And this might be due to the fact that I'm reading Stephen King's Doctor Sleep, and I had just reread for about the tenth time James Herbert's Creed. So that's where I am at the moment. In fact, later today I'll be writing some of this new horror novel. But this time I hope I don't change my... Well, I'm going to force myself not to change my mind, because every time you change your mind it takes a chunk out of your writing. And, yeah, so being sick meant a slight delay. And now I'm working flat out trying to catch up, which isn't healthy. But then the stress of not catching up is probably worse than the stress of exhaustion. So, uh, well, I suppose I need to just make some more green tea. Oh, a news update on the podcasting equipment. I tried a whole bunch of different stuff and to be honest none of it's working and the the reason for that it's all down to the money that I don't have the simple truth is you need a a really good microphone if you're going to podcast something designed for USB that you can plug into your computer and won't give you any feedback um, and will nicely modulate your voice But that's not possible, and I'm back to recording just straight from my iPhone. I have found a slightly simple solution um, in moving the mic back up to my mouth. Um, And also, I've got the arm from... You know one of those things that you um, mount your mobile phone or your sat-nav in your car. It's like an arm with a sucker on the end and a clamp to hold your phone in position. Well, the first one that I had, the the sun destroyed it eventually. 
after two years of being constantly used, the mount that held the sucker to the windscreen just uh, disintegrated. So I was left with a, a nice clamp and mount kind of arrangement, but without the sucker bit. Now I've bought a new, uh, a new mount for about seven pounds from Halfords, uh, which seems to do the trick. But I'm left with this old gubbins, and what I've done is I've kind of turned it into a phone holder for my hand. So I've, how can I describe it? I've got like a, a handle shape uh, on top of which you've got the phone mount that you clamp the phone in and then I've got the phone clamped in there and I've angled it so it uh, so if I hold it straight out in front of me it's almost like a handheld mic stand and I've tested it and my voice does sound a little better and it's probably just due to positioning So that that's the uh, oh, and the other thing is I'm you know I'm recording from my bedroom, which is nicely padded with carpets and uh, duvets and things and curtains. Uh, I mean, the other solution is to do it from the car, but um, then you'll be in the car for an hour and people wondering what you're doing sitting in the car talking to your hand. Uh, but anyway, that that's a solution at the moment. Um, as a podcast listener myself, I know just how much of a turn-off poor sound quality is. So I, if you're listening to this and you're really not happy with the sound quality, I do apologise for the inconvenience. I know it's probably damaging the amount of listeners I have, uh, but just know that I'm trying my, my best with very limited resources. Okay, so on with the show, and we're back with the Doctor Who Marathon. And this week we'll be talking about, uh, let's see, so it's we're, we're the first Doctor still, William Hartnell. We're now in Series 3, and today we'll be discussing the premiere of Series 3, which is an adventure called Galaxy 4. This was a four-part adventure broadcast from the 11th of September to the 2nd of October 1965. The writer was William Ems. The director, Derek Martinus, and Martin Mar, sorry, Mervyn Pinfield. Producer, Verity Lambert. And the cast, of course, is William Hartnell as the Doctor, Maureen O'Brien as Vicky, and Peter Purvis as Stephen Taylor. So we'll start with a brief synopsis. Now, following on from the Time Meddler, if you remember from the last episode, where the Doctor had to deal with a fellow uh, but slightly less well-behaved Gallifreyan who disguised himself as a monk and meddled with the... uh, at the time of the Norman Conquest of England. That was the finale of Series 2. Uh, so that's where we were last time on the last uh, podcast. So with, with this first adventure, uh, the Doctor, Vicky and Stephen Taylor. I don't know why I say Stephen Taylor. Why don't I just call him Steve? 
I don't, but I don't think anyone says that in the show. I think it's Stephen. Anyway, so the Doctor, Vicky and Stephen land on a planet and they find these cute, wheeled robots. And they look like... They look like... Uh, they look like three fat discs stacked on top of each other. Uh, so you've got a wide disc at the bottom, uh, thick, um, a slightly narrower middle disc, and a top, even narrower disc. And they just trundle along and... Uh, Vicky finds them really cute and na names them the Chumblies. Oh, the other thing I should say about this uh, adventure is it's uh, one of those recovered uh, stories. Uh, so there is a little bit of acting, but there's a lot of uh, uh, just stills with a voice track and some subtitles to tell you what's going on. So it is, it is actually quite hard to follow. I found the, the audio very difficult to follow. But it, it was a pretty simple story, so I got the main gist of it. So back, back to the synopsis. And Vicky's seen these little trundling robots that she names the Chumblies. Chumblies, sorry, Chumblies. <laughs> Um, and then shortly after that, they meet these uh, people who call themselves the Dravin, uh, who are beautiful and exclusively female, by the look of it, anyway. But what we find out is that the Dravin uh, are a... Um, a matriarchy, they're ruled by women, they've killed most of the males on their planet, and the ruling elite, uh, uh, well, that they, they run the planet with the help of a clone army. So, so you have a few, I'm assuming, natural-born um, elite, and then uh, there's a vast slave army. So that those are the two sets of people, well, people, um, aliens that the team meet. We also find out from the Dravin that the planet is about to explode, um, and they are planning to steal uh, the the Chumbly's ship. In fact, we find out later that the Chumbly's are actually. Uh, the robotic extension of an alien race called the Real. Um, and like I said, the, the driving are, are very good looking, at least to you know our human eyes, whereas the Real uh, are terrifying looking. Um, how to describe them? You, you only see one picture of a Real through a very dimly lit porthole because it turns out they can't breathe the air that, uh, well, humans can breathe. Uh, you know, mostly nitrogen and oxygen. They can't breathe the same air. Um, and they look, they look like, how to describe them? Do you, have you, um, if you've ever seen the inside of a Dalek, what, what the Dalek race actually looks like inside, 
uh, inside their shells. Those are kind of what the rill look like, but appearances are deceptive, and it turns out that the the rill are actually quite friendly, and they offer to take the doctor, uh, rescue the doctor from the planet, um, should they need rescuing. But of course, you know the doctor and the companions have the TARDIS, so they don't need rescuing. And they also explain that they've offered to rescue the Dravin, but the Dravin aren't interested in being rescued. They're interested in stealing and killing and conquering. Uh, and um, so that that's a state of play kind of in the middle of the adventure um and then to, towards the end of the adventure what happens is that the The Dravin uh, cause all sorts of chaos, trying to steal back the real ship, um, give the Doctor, especially uh, Stephen, quite a bit of grief. But in the end, the companions manage to get back to the TARDIS, the real manage to leave the planet, and so the Dravin get their just desserts at the end and are left trapped trapped, sorry, trapped on the planet that's about to explode. I like the way during the episode that you first think that the Dravin are quite nice. Um, mainly because they you know they look nice and uh, but it turns out that their leader, Marga, is um Wow, she's... I don't know if she's insane by the terms of her own society, but to us, she seems insane. She's psychopathic uh, and wants nothing more than to enjoy the death of everyone who isn't a Dravi. Oh, Dravin. I don't know why I say Dravi. It's Dravin. So, now, my view of the adventure as a whole and this is after watching the adventure but also reading the TARDIS wikia and the wikipedia entry and the BBC's uh, own notes about the uh, this particular serial well I found out for a start that Peter Purvis the guy who plays Stephen uh, was really unhappy with uh, his lines during this um, particular adventure. Apparently, the the lines were originally uh, written for Barbara, and so Stevens. Well, um, Peter Purvis's point of view was that the lines were a bit too girly. Now, after watching the. The episode. In fact, I didn't read this before watching the episode. And afterwards, when I read this, I, I've got to say that I entirely disagree with him. Um, I don't think the lines were that girly, but maybe I'm talking from a different, you know, a different era where our views are slightly different. Um, but it seems a bit of a petty complaint. Uh, what else? 
oh, and the other thing, and this is a continuing theme in Doctor Who, uh, where we're always taught, and this is a striking example of uh, not judging by appearances. Uh, and I quite enjoy that. I quite enjoy that they drive that point home in Doctor Who. They, they don't do so in many... Uh, genre adventures and this is one of the few that they do um, it's not that I like petty moralising or anything but I, I think it's a, you know, it's a valid point to look beyond the surface uh, what else did I think oh yeah the other thing is now, as far as I can see, this is the third occasion when they've used robotic wheeled aliens. And invariably, they're, they're quite cute looking. I don't know if that's just something to do with uh, being short and trundling along. But we've had the Daleks who initially were, you know, they weren't that sinister. Uh, they were quite cute until they, you know, until they started talking about exterminating people. And then we also had the ultra-powerful mechanoids that also looked quite cool. They're big octagonal-shaped alien, robot aliens that also trundle, trundled along. And now we've got the Chumblies, who are the cutest of the lot. Um, so I, I agree with Vicky. I, I find the Chumblies quite cute. Yeah, I don't know what it is about aliens that look like that. Like R2-D2. R2-D2 is also a cute alien on wheels. I think if I ever build a robot, it will have to be something R2-D2-ish. Now, I've, in the show notes, I've put in some links to the Galaxy 4 uh, URLs that I used uh, to do a bit of research after the after I watched the adventure. So if you want to read a bit more about about it, just uh, go to the show notes. Uh, I put a link directly to the show notes now in the um, blog entry, so you should be able to find them really, really easily. Okay, I, watched, uh, I did watch some more TV this week too. Uh, let's see. I saw... The 100, which started off uh, this week, last week sometime. So The 100, 2014. This is a sci-fi TV series from the CW network. Uh, it first aired in March in the US, and we're getting it four months later, as usual. Thank you for that. So this is based on a young adult novel by Cass Morgan. And the very simple background is that the Earth has been scoured of life by nuclear apocalypse. Only a large international space station remains. And with resources dwindling, more and more crimes are punishable by death, by spacing. So you're shoved into an airlock, airlock and then uh, ejected from the space station. Incredibly horrible way to go. And this has a dual purpose of, uh, <laughs> well, it, the main thing isn't punishing the guilty. The main thing is using crime as an excuse to keep the population down and to lessen uh, the strain on resources. 
And in so into this scenario, we've got um, uh, an older adult station crew who decide to send all their teen criminals down en masse, down to the Earth's uh, surface, in order to test whether the Earth is capable of sustaining life, um, you know, the atmosphere, food, whatever. Uh, they're like an advanced party. Um, they're, they're expendable, and if they all die, well, so be it. Uh, the resources on the space station will last that much longer. And if they don't die, then the adult station crew will know everything's okay and they can come down and repopulate the planet. So, a, a really pleasant bunch of survivors then. And, and, and it is that bunch of young criminal adventurers on Earth that we follow. Altogether, not bad. Certainly better than the rebooted and recently cancelled The Tomorrow People, 2013, also from the CW. If I've got one major criticism, is it, the cast is a bit too pretty. I don't really understand how they've all got such good colour, um, and they're all in such good condition. And they can even stand Earth's gravity. I, I, it doesn't make any sense. Um, they should look a lot more ragged. But that's the, that, that's the main criticism. Um, there was some good uh, shocking moments in the first episode. Uh, and if you haven't seen it yet, all I can say is MUTATION! <laughs> yeah, that wasn't that funny. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a bit during the episode, the first episode that will, that will shock you and you'll think, Whoa, there is something wrong with the Earth after all. That's not too much of a spoiler. I mean, it's it's almost written into the... You know, it's obvious that there'll be some problem with the Earth, otherwise there would be no adventure. Oh, let's see. Oh, the other thing that I wanted to talk about was a series from 2006. So, uh, this series was called The Nine, and it's not really... Um, well, it's not science fiction, it's not horror, and it's not fantasy. But it's the kind of show that if you liked, if you like any of those three, uh, three forms of genre, you, you'll probably like this. Uh, it's a bit like Lost. Lost wasn't particularly um, hard sci-fi, fantasy, or horror, but it would appeal to those, those same kind of fans. Maybe I should actually tell you what the nine's about now. Uh, so the basics of it are that nine hostages um, uh, during a bank heist, uh, they bond um, through their shared experience. It's kind of reminiscent to Spike Lee's Inside Man, also from 2006, and I don't know if there's a connection there, maybe... 
I don't know, maybe ABC saw the inside man and thought, oh, that, that's a good idea for a show. Um, but actually, d- despite that, I actually think it's better than Inside Man. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that... I'm not going to talk about Inside Man now, but um, there's a lot of things that bothered me about that film. Uh, there was this pointlessly portentous music, uh, the, the absolutely ridiculous plot. Um, but, but this, I think this was done much better. It was a teeny bit predictable, but on the whole, quite enjoyable. You get a you get a cross section of society um, represented within that hostage group, and my favourite um, was a character called Egan Foot. He's just a guy who uh, taps in stuff to a computer screen, a data processor. I think it's said in the show. Um, in the ABC show notes, he's um, a nerd, and he's played by John Billingsley, who seems to corner the market in nerdy roles. Um, if you remember, he's the Doctor from Enterprise, and he's been on quite a few other things too, basically reprising the same kind of uh, role. Actually, in in Star Trek, it, sorry, in Enterprise, he isn't really a nerd, but um. There's definitely something likeable about all the characters that he plays. And I did enjoy watching his character and story arc develop over the course of the series. Uh, as you'll see from the blog post, if, you, if you've if you read it... <coughs> Sorry. Um, there's a happy ending for him. So this show ran for a single season on ABC and I'm not sure whether it was cancelled or it was only intended to have 13 episodes but I think on the whole it's as long as it needs to be actually if you now that we're talking about it if you're into um looking for a short easily digestible mini series um, and I've talked about this before, but I can't remember if I've talked about it on a podcast, but uh, there was, in 2008, two, two years later, uh, another single-season drama series, uh, which was intended to only have a single season called Harper's Island. It didn't get great ratings at the time, but I've noticed on IMDb the ratings seem to be creeping up. So maybe it's got a cult following, I'm not sure, too sure. But that was... Uh, so that other series is Harper's Island 2008 from CBS, and it's a horror. So if you like shortness um, that you don't have to invest ten seasons into watching, uh, the, yeah, the Harper's Island miniseries will appeal to you too. So that was the 9 2006 worth a watch. And I think that's just about it for the show this week. Uh, like I said, I'm sorry that um, I missed out a week. I, I was just um, I was just too ill, to be honest, to, to do a show. Um, partly the the illness and partly exhaustion for just having such a busy schedule. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how busy. But yeah, uh, I hope things stabilise from now on. And I what I really need to do is to do some better time management, I suppose.
And, okay, well, that's it for the show. Uh, So this was Roy's Rocket Radio for Sunday the 13th of July 2014, but actually recorded on the 14th of July 2014. And as we come to the end of the show, the time is now 12.13. So thank you for listening and speak to you next time. Bye. And just one last thing. <laughs> I've already ended the show and now I'm talking. Okay. Um, yeah, please rate the show in iTunes. It does help me. Uh, it does encourage me to carry on. Visit the blog. Comment at the blog. Email me or tweet me with any show ideas that you have. Or if you even want to come on the show. Um, I know I've been saying this for a while, and I've got the feeling that, well, uh, I don't know if I'm speaking, uh, talking to deaf ears, but yeah, contact the show if you want to be on, or you've got an idea of something you want to talk about. Uh, Also, if you think you can talk about something with any great detail, that would be great too, if you've got a particular interest. Um, I spoke to someone not so long ago who might come on the show, wants to talk about Marvel Comics, how he got into them, and there's also another person who may be talking about the Martian Chronicles in the next few weeks. We'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, don't be shy. Just contact me. Okay, so again, (laughs) uh, goodbye. And please uh, subscribe and I don't know what else to say now. I've run out of steam. Just make sure you download this show and download the old shows and download next week's show, which should be available sometime next Sunday, hopefully, unless something else creep crops up. Actually, now that I think about it, something is going to crop up next Sunday, so I've got a feeling that show will also be a bit late, but hopefully not too... Monday at the latest, I think. So that's it then. Goodbye and see you next week. Bye.